When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is, but the rest of your body, oh yes, it's gonna relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get all the chill you need for just $1.69 from any size frozen drink like a frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry to a new ice cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. You see it every day. The first dollar you earn from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. two stories from the pack from the Walls fancast. Uh, Ryan Hooper here as ever and before we kick off the episode just a very quick thank as I always like to do to everybody who continues to support the podcast, be it this series, our regular pods, really do appreciate that so thank you. On this series it really gives me a great opportunity and I feel privileged that I can at least virtually connect with people that I wouldn't perhaps ordinarily get the opportunity to do so People from different walks of life as, as well, but all sharing the same connection, which is effectively being a Wolves fan. And the next guy you're going to hear from really fits that bill. So I'm going to introduce to you um, a producer and a DJ, Chris Eddowes, who's also known as Pogman. How are you doing? Uh, how you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. You know, just... Uh... Still recovering, really, from the West Ham game, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, we're recording this um, just at the week lead up to the Fulham game, and as Chris said... Oh, yeah, way. sorry, mate, I didn't realise... No, <laughs> you're absolutely fine, and, and hopefully when this goes out, we're in a bit of a better position, but yeah, as we, as we are now, we're reeling from it, because, I don't know, I, I don't think anybody saw it coming, West Ham or us, did they, really? <laughs> it was a bit of a madden, really. I, I've put it down to just... It's just one of them games. Everybody has them. It happens to everyone. I think, I think we might have gone in a little bit, maybe underestimating them after the, you know, their last season wasn't the greatest. They've not really strengthened, which is in my head. I was like, oh, we're going to steamroll them. You know, they've mm. not really done anything. And then, but yeah, there's a, you know, talk about what went wrong in that game for hours. So. <laughs> just one of them things, man. You know, roll on to Fulham. If, yeah. if we don't get a convincing result at Fulham, I think it could be a, you know, slight panic, maybe. I, yeah, I'm feeling it already. And I think, you know, I was having a look on, on, on Twitter today and I think Villa have signed a couple of players and then that's kind of irked a few people. And it's like, but I don't know, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm as objective as I can be because I kind of like to keep an even kill and that's kind of how I feel because it's like, yeah, it, it was it was awful but the new lads, they're going to take time as, as they've done before. So, so I think we're, um, this season's going to be a tricky season for us, I think, because we're obviously trialling a new sort 
not maybe a new system, but maybe a newer system moving forward, you know, stepping away from that just all-out counter-attacking football that we've played for so long. So, yeah, you know, I mean, if we can stay top off this season and, and get the new system to sort of work, get the new lads settled in, I'll be, I'll be happy with that, to be honest. Well, well let's, see, let's see how this, the season unfolds. On, on this series, it's all kind of a little bit about going down memory way. So, we'll, we'll, we've addressed a little bit of the current and we'll probably circle back to it. But just before we move on to the football, obviously, in my introduction... Um, Producer, DJ, also a label manager as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, this this year, as we know, it's been a difficult year on, on a lot of different levels. And we know there's a health perspective to it, which we're respectful for. But we also know from an industry perspective, I mean, my wife, for example, works in the travel industry. She lost her job. You know, employment is, is, is tough out there. And I think You'll know more so than I will because I'm in a different industry. But from what I hear, being in the creative industry, to, to give it that title, have you been overlooked, you think, in terms of sort of support? Or, you know, it's have you had to adapt? And how, how do you see things at the moment? And how has it curt curtailed your own plans as well? I mean, like, I'm a... First of all, you know, it just is what it is. We've got to accept it, you know. And... I think, as bad as it sounds, in a better way, it's happening to everybody. As, yeah. like I said, as bad as that sounds, it's not just, a, oh, we're the ones getting screwed, you know. It's happening to quite a lot of people at the moment in a lot of different industries. But, I mean, if we were to talk about, like, my industry, you know, specifically, obviously, the main thing with us is our industry completely revolves around mass gatherings of people. And like, that's, you know, one of the first and main things that's gone. And it's going to be probably one of the last things that's going to come back. So um, the, the, the big hit for me was this was 10 years of Pogman. This was my 10th year of touring. And so mm -hmm. this was, we had a massive year planned, you know, we had mm -hmm. the 10 year tour, we had a 10 year album that was coming and it was all sort of going to be a big come together of celebrating everything we've done for the last 10 years. So, and um we were really, we really had the ball rolling on that. And then, you know, next thing we know, March, I'd just come back from Barcelona actually with the Wolves. And mm. <laughs> I went, I came back from Barcelona. I went, I came over one day and I went straight to America to see the missus and to uh, play a few shows. Yeah. And um, I was coming back to do a festival in Belgium, which two days before I flew home got cancelled because you know, the wheels had really started turning with this COVID coronavirus thing. And um, by the time I got back a week later, we were in lockdown and then literally the whole industry and everything just changed overnight. And it's been a weird one really because everybody's guessing, oh, it's going to, oh, you know, we'll be back in September. Now it's September and we're nowhere near being back. Mm. Oh, we'll be back in January. I can't really see that happening. I remember at the very start, they were talking about next August. And I was laughing at that, like, next August, no chance, you know, we'll be back soon. And now, even next August, it's looking a bit like, who knows, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's mad. And it's, you know, I see sort of, you know, um, locally, I saw one of the nightclub owners mention, you know, and they were right, you know, with the, the pubs, they have curfews, but not, you know, um, outside entertainment. And I know there's, there's adaptions to it and what they've done, but as you say, for, for yourself, I've seen some of 
your stuff online as a DJ, I guess, essentially, is mass gathering. That is yeah. your bread and butter. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it, it must be difficult. I mean, I, I guess you, you, you can't plan for anything like this, but has is, is it kind of helped you creatively in, in any other ways? Have you kind of had time to do anything you wouldn't ordinarily do? Or I must admit, it's, um, it, it's, it's been quite a bit of an eye out now and also maybe a bit of a nudge to be honest because you know I'm I'm 32 now I've been touring for 10 years and it's sort of getting to the point where I don't want to stop touring but I was getting prepared to maybe slow down a little and maybe put you know start looking at other avenues so Covid's kind of been a boot up the arse to really like look into them avenues and I'm lucky enough to have done a lot of work with my old college that I went to in Birmingham, a place called Access. And uh, I've been an ambassador for them guys for years now because I attended like, you know, over 10 years ago now. And uh, since my sort of success in my career, they've brought me back in to do a lot of sort of public speaking, a lot of just, yeah, sort of an ambassador to try. And I work with them in many different ways, really. So I've started working with them guys a lot more, which is, you know, a help. I've started to do a little bit of management as well. I'm managing a few guys who uh, live out in Australia and I've got a guy who I manage who lives in London. So it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's been a blessing in, in disguise because obviously I would love to still be doing the mm. touring and everything. And I, I imagine I will do when it all comes back. I'm, I'm never going to sort of step away, but it's been, yeah, sort of a nudge to be like, okay, all of a sudden things can change overnight. You know, nobody... Nobody saw this coming, but yeah, it's kind of made me adapt and look for new avenues, which is quite nice because now I'm, um, it's it's a it's a new learning curve for me as well, getting into them sort of things, and it's 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 only going to prolong my sort of career and my chance to stay in the music industry for as long as possible because I've done it for so long now that I'd feel alien, sort of like I wouldn't say not even just DJing or anything, but just working in a different industry would be mm. crazy for me, so. As long as I can stay within the creative industry, more music-based. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of all the arts and stuff as well. I do a little bit of art and stuff, but music's obviously my main thing. So if I can stay in the music bubble for the rest of my, career, my working life, I suppose, that would be perfect. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of an eye-opener, but also a positive in some of the new sort of roads I've gone down, so... And I think I saw, because I was trying to do a bit of research before we um, got recording tonight, and I saw, I think, what you're referencing there. I think there was an event in August, was it in terms of the college, where you were, kind of, were you on a panel, were you, in terms of people that come together who were maybe struggling in the industry, they could reach out to you and a few of us with the college and um, younger, I guess, musicians who perhaps through lockdown haven't made those connections, because I guess connections are quite personal as well in the industry so it's very it's very network based this mm. industry is you know it's um and you you'll know as well as me you know meeting somebody face to face is way more personal and you get you get it a lot it, it's just it's a big thing for me you know an email a text or anything in text can be taken weirdly there's no emotion behind it and as stupid as it sounds like i'm a big I'm a big fan of meeting people face to face. I mean, even this, this is great compared to an email. Like, at yeah. least actually, it feels like we've actually met each other, which is yeah. much nicer than just, you know, typing away on an email. But so what we did, I think it was the break, was it the breakout session you were referring yeah. to? Yeah. yeah. 
So what we've done is um, one of the courses they offer at uh, the old college that I went to is an artist development course, which is for sort of guys, guys who've already got their sort of foot in the door. So they're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're making music. They've sort of got a brand. They, they kind of know where they want to go, but they sort of maybe need that next push up the ladder or they need just a help up or something. So we opened it up to sort of applicants to get involved and we ended up we've chosen a group now because that that project's still ongoing we're actually we actually had a meeting with four of the uh, guys who got onto the course on monday we've got another meeting tomorrow and it's sort of a i suppose it's sort of an anr pr session where they can come they can talk to there's myself there's somebody called guz harvey who is a singer songwriter from norwich amazing at what she does and then we've got ian who is the guy who actually works at the college but he's uh he does a lot of management and stuff on the on the outsides as well so it's it's kind of a way for these younger guys and these guys who are just sort of getting their feet wet in the industry to um to come to guys with experience like myself and gus and um ian and just kind of ask us anything and we can we've we've overlooked their because when they when they applied they had to sort of send their brand send all their socials send everything mm -hmm. links to their music and we looked over it all and sort of you know now we know exactly where to push them in the right direction or give them a little advice or you know a bit of constructive criticism even which is a big thing in this industry if you can't take constructive criticism you're in the wrong industry or something. <laughs> i suppose you're there to be shot at aren't you but exactly, mate. you know and a lot of it you're, yeah. you know you're in the public eye a lot as well yeah you know even even in my genre which is a smaller genre it's so easy to just get you know you're there and people have got a lot to say about you and the art that you create and you just gotta you've just gotta be kind of not blind to it all but, you know, there's a difference between going and telling someone, oh, your song was cool, but maybe I didn't like this bit. And there's a difference mm -hmm. between going, oh, that's crap, you know. <laughs> that's the big, that's the big, uh, you know, we're never going to approach these kids and tell them anything's crap because art's subjective, you know. Yeah, yeah. What you think is great and what I think is great mm -hmm. is two completely different things. So, yeah, constructive criticism is a big thing that we're doing with a lot of the kids and just, yeah, pointing them in the right direction, really, and trying to, you know, when I was younger, I'd have done anything to speak to people who were experienced, you know, but I find that the arts industry, I, I made a pretty strong tweet about it yesterday that we just get, we get overlooked constantly with support and, but I'm a big believer that the government and the higher powers, they fear creative people because creative people are the ones who think outside the box and they start to ask questions and challenge and, you know, as without getting too deep and into that side of things, maybe that's why we get overlooked, you know? And I don't want to get too political and stuff like that, but... No, it's fine. I get it. I get it. And I hear you. And I think there'll be a lot of people listening, um, you know, particularly people who listen to podcasts as well, will have a look for, you know, the industry and, and, and know people that work in it and want to support it. So, well, before, before we close, I'll put a link to your Twitter. And I know there's um, um, a petition as, as well for people who are keen to, to get behind it as well so we'll reference that but we'll, we'll move on to football but music from what I gather already will link in as well again which is great because it you know I think 
your relationship with football and music will probably have sort of crossed over. So we'll, we'll look at that. So if we can start where, where we always do at the beginning then, uh, Chris. So a little bit about how you became a Wolves fan and, and your first memories of being a fan and how did your Wolves story begin? I suppose if we started at the very beginning, it would be, my dad's a massive, massive fan, been a season ticket holder, you know, all my life at least. Um, my first ever real memory was going to a Norwich game. It was at Molyneux. I actually had to do a bit of research to figure out when it was, and it was easy to find because it turns out the article I read, the only game we ever lost to Norwich at Molyneux was the game that I went to, my first ever game. Ah, okay. And, uh, I was, I was six years old, it was in 95, and um, I remember we lost 2-0, and I absolutely cried my eyes out because I, I didn't quite understand football, so I thought that that was the be-all and end-all. I was like, you know, we've lost, that's it. <laughs> yeah. My dad took me in the South Bank, I must have, you know, he must have got the seat next to him somewhere or whatever with his season ticket, and I really enjoyed it, I really did, but then afterwards... I sort of dropped away from football for many, many years. Like, I was, I grew up in the era of, I want to be a skateboarder, I want to be a rebel youth, you know. I was a little grebo, basically. I was, I was into rock music, I was into skating and all that. So, football, as much as it was always there in my household, my brother's a huge United fan, believe it or not. And um, so, in our house, we had dad who was Wolves uh, and my brother who was United. So, football was always around. But, um, yeah, I stepped away for years and years and I didn't even really, I'd always keep my eye on Wolves because I knew it kept Dad happy and, you know, it's my hometown so I was always happy for Wolves to win and do well. But the next sort of big turning point, I suppose, with me becoming a fan was when I was sort of 15, 16, would have been 2003 when we went to the playoffs final in Cardiff when we played, uh, was it Chef United? United, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, and I remember I was, I was, uh, I was a BMXer back then, so I was, we were down the skate parks and stuff in town. And I remember we were riding through town, and we saw that town was quite busy. And then it clicked in my head because my brother and my dad had actually gone to Cardiff, so I was like, oh, it's obviously because the Wolves game's on. I remember me and a few friends we stopped it's at the back of town. I don't even think the shops there anymore, but they had the game on in uh, like some sort of TV shop. Mm. So we watched the whole game through the window. No, <laughs> literally watched the whole game. And, you know, I remember the, uh, the penalty save really well and stuff like that. So I suppose, yeah, I was probably 15, 16 then. So then I started to – I saw how the city um, reacted. Mm. Mm. And then straight away I was like, okay, so, you know, this team is a big thing. I mean, I always knew Wolves were a big thing in our city and stuff, you know. The Molyneux's always been quite, you know, when we weren't even doing that well, the Molyneux's a big stadium, a great stadium for sort of the level we were at at some points. And um, But, yeah, when I saw the City react the way it did, I was kind of like, OK, you know, this is, this is really cool. And then many, many years passed again. I went through my sort of party era, did, got all that out of the way. Again, Wolves was always on the outskirts, but it was never mm. full force and... I suppose the big, when I first got back into it again, must have been the season before we got relegated to League One. Mm -hmm. so maybe like six, six, seven years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And um, started to really take interest then. 
and it, it become, I suppose, all my, my partying days were sort of behind me, my, uh, you know, my rebel youth days were behind me, so I started to really take note, and I started to go to the games a lot, I was getting tickets, and, you know, a couple of my friends got, obviously, you know, little Dan. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Started to really just get more involved, try to get to some of the games and stuff like that. And then, I mean, when we got relegated, I remember getting getting tickets to the games back then was so easy, you know. Like <laughs> the, amount of, the amount of games I went to in that League One season yeah. was uh, that was when it really sort of I was like, right, you know, now this is it. I was I was touring quite heavily back then as well. So, um, as I mentioned to you before like football became a sort of big link to being home. Mm. No, there was some, there was some years back then, maybe even the year, maybe the year after we got promoted again. So the year we just missed out on the playoffs, we come seventh, did we? We like, on yeah, goal. Goal. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was, I think I was on tour for about eight to nine months out of that year. So I was just constantly on the road, pretty much the whole of the season. So, being able to like watch the games or at least keep up with the games, it always felt like I had a little link back home. And, you know, being on tour for that long can be quite sort of, it's a lonely place. It's a, you know, you get very homesick and stuff like that. So Wolves became a big link to me, being able to know what's going on at home, you know, feeling that I've always got that, you know, I've got phone calls and texts and stuff, but like football's like, all over the TV, it's represented everywhere. So I always had that big sort of link to Wolverhampton and being back home, which helped massively. And then before you know it, I'm I'm subscribing to ESPN, I'm getting all this, that, the other, just so I can watch the games pretty much wherever I am. And so I started to really, really tank now then. And the amount of times I could tell you I've either stayed up till silly o'clock or set an alarm at 4am, 3am to get up to watch the games and just never looked back after that really. And yeah, just, and here we are today, I suppose. I, I think as well with that, though, Chris, I, 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 I can relate only to a small extent because I, when I went travelling, for example, I did a little bit of backpacking as a lot of people do. And I remember being in Sydney and setting an alarm for three in the morning. I'd come out from a night out and I was watching it sort of a 24-hour bar. I remember getting to the bar and the guy was like, no, you're all right, you're not coming in. Thinking I was still pretty gone from the night before, but I was literally just living on sort of, I want to watch this game. And it was Wolves against Sunderland in just a routine game. But it was that little bit. And there's something about Wolverhampton, and maybe it's not just Wolverhampton. It's probably anybody who supports a team and a connection with it. But as you referenced there, you know, in terms of being in and around the city centre, you know, with the skate park, being close to the city, the ground being there, you can't ignore it. That, as you say, being away from home, having those moments, that must give you that sort of goosebumps when you see it at home, as if you're kind of at home, away from home. So, definitely, it's yeah. It's like, I'm one of these people, you know, a lot of people see Wolverhampton as not a nice place. Oh, you're from Wolves, or, you know. and But it might be that to them, but to me, it's my home. I love this mm. place, you know. There's nothing better than me get, you know, when I've been on tour for two, three months... Yeah, I've been to some great places. I've lived some great times. I've, you know, 
done amazing things. But when I get off that train in Wolverhampton train station, it's like, <laughs> the feeling. It's like I'm home yeah. and you know I'm 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 ready and it's it's a nice place. Like I always refer to it, and uh, you know I'll I'll try my best not to swear, but you know Wolves is Wolves is a can I swear? Yeah, that we can we 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 can edit all we don't have to. Or we'll just put one of those ratings on there to say. Yeah. All right, and I'll use, I'll use the well. Wolves is <laughs> Wolves is crap hole, but it's our crap hole, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a you know, and I love that, and I love nothing more than flying the wolves flag. I really do, you know. I wear my shirt as much as I can at some of the biggest shows I've ever played. I've made sure I've worn my wolves shirt. I've and you can really see where the team's going, which is great. You know, people noticing us noticing us nowadays. You know, I was in. I was in New Jersey a couple of years back, um, literally in the tiniest little town. It's called, um, I forgot what the place, oh, Highlands it's called. It's literally across the bay from New York. But my uh, my missus' parents live there, so we were down there. I had my wolves top on, we are walking down the road, like on the beach. Guy out of nowhere, like, oh, wolves. And I was like, okay. He was like, yeah, you guys are doing really well now. He had his two little kids with him, like American dude from New Jersey. And like, that must have been our first season back in the Prem. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, two years ago, maybe, three, two and a half years ago. And yeah. right away, I was like, wow, you know, I imagine 10 years ago, unless you were walking around in a United top or a Liverpool top or anything, anywhere in America, people would have been like, okay, what's that shirt, you know? So. <laughs> I was going to ask that question because I thought, you know, like you say, if you'd started out, you, you know, you, you talked about sort of the, the 10 year anniversary of, of Pogman, but so in those early days when you were touring, yeah, you probably didn't really get much of a second glance. But now I suppose if you tour in America or if you tour obviously Spain, Portugal and so forth, then and across Europe where they, they know the football, you must have noticed a difference in the identity yeah. and the brand and not, you know, the recognition of the team. Definitely, like, you know, people see us as serious, a serious team now and obviously we get the stigma around us, the whole, you know, Portugal Wolves and Wolves to go, whatever you want to call us and I love it, to be honest. I'm, it is what it is and um, I've got a, it's great to see not even how much Wolves have come along but how much football in general has come along, especially in America because obviously America is where I spend most of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be touring or obviously the missus is from Philadelphia so I'm out there a lot as well and um, yeah just seeing how many people like just are really into it now and how many people know about Wolverhampton and you know Wolves Wolves to as a place doesn't exist in so many people's like you know in their world but now we're doing what we're doing with the team it's a little dot now on the map to people so and like I said, people have noticed the shirt many times. And another great thing we did was was in New York last... And that was earlier this year, actually. Um, we played Newcastle. Was it, just, was it January or December, maybe? Anyway. Crazy, yeah, it's, it's gone crazy this year. Yeah, one, one of the... Before pre-COVID games, anyway. Yeah. It was last season. Um, we were in New York and we were playing Newcastle. And I saw it was a, it was a 10 o'clock kickoff. In New York time, anyway, it must have yeah. been a three o'clock here. So I'm straight on Facebook, internet. I'm like, where can I watch Wolves in New York? And I found the Wolves, the New York Wolves. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we ended up going down to the pub that they, uh, 
they get together from every time. The guy, it's funny actually, the guy who owns the bar used to play for Fleetwood Town. Oh, okay. And he's actually a huge Everton fan. <laughs> but for some reason, that's the Wolves pub in New York. And I turned mm-hmm. up and there must have been 30, 40 Wolves fans there, like 10 o'clock in the morning, like ready to watch the game. And a couple of them were actually from Wolverhampton, but had lived in New York for years and years. And uh, it was nice to see that there was quite a few Americans who have decided now that Wolves is their team. And there was, there was one American lad, actually, who supported Wolves for like 15 years. So he'd been through the tough times as well. So... It's it's mad, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we I've, I've done a podcast recently with a guy uh, called Blake. You'll have to check it out. He's he's come over here and um, he's an American um, from California, and he adopted Wolves as his team. And he chose to study at Wolverhampton University just to get a season ticket to watch Wolves. Gone from California to Wolf Wolf Runia, as I called it, which was amazing. And I think. I like doing this as well because there'll be people who, as you say, are perhaps expats who, uh, you know, and Wolves for them is, as you referenced there, is, is, is their way in. You know, there's, there's New York Wolves, there's Dubai Wolves, you know, oh. probably for everywhere you tour, there's probably is a supporters club, which may be people originally from Wensfield or wherever, or yeah. locals. And I think, you know, that's their little piece of home. I suppose it's like when people go abroad and want a cup of tea or whatever it's that's their way in again isn't it so it's mad because when we when I was in that bar we were watching the game obviously and I think we drew 1-1 actually and um just mad conversations like talking about majors chippy and stupid stuff like (laughs) I I said to the missus because it's good because the missus is a big Wolves fan now she uh Mm. she actually played football she got a scholarship to a uni in San Diego as a, as a goalkeeper, wow, which she never ended up following. But um, so she's a big Rui fan. She's a huge Nuno fan and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, we're chatting away anyway. And I'm trying, I'm just telling the missus, like, I never thought I would be in a bar in New York watching Wolves talking about Major's chip shop. Like, <laughs> like, it's such a surreal experience. But again, it all circles around to the fact that I support Wolves and I was only in that bar because I wanted to watch my team play. So it's, uh, it's, it's great to see just how far the team have not come as a team, you know, quality wise, but just how much we're growing as well. It's, it's, it's awesome to see. It really is. Brilliant. Well, what we'll do, uh, we're going to take a quick break and now next we'll be looking at um, if you can pick, pick out some highs and lows after this. Okay. So we were just chatting there just prior to the break in terms of um, how things are now. And, and But going back, you talked about sort of you went in the early days and then sort of uh, went away and then came back, I guess, at a tough time going down to League One. If you look back at your sort of supporting life so far, we'll, we'll do one negative or, or, or a number and, and then we'll switch to the positive to end on. But... What would you say is either the worst game you've seen us play or is there a moment supporting Wolves when you thought, oh, God, why am I doing this? Is there anything that stands out? Um, well, I must admit the League One era was actually quite good because we mm-hmm. smashed it. So it was actually like nice to watch us sort of win week in, week out. And did we get the record in the end? 
I think I think we did. I think we got over a hundred points. And I think, as you're right, I think a lot of people liked it because we were going to different grounds, which we hadn't gone for for years. Like you said earlier, home games, you get a ticket, and fortunately it went well. I mean, it could have went the other way, but you're right. Yeah. I speak to a lot of people, and I think that was a good good season. And for many, that although we were in a lower level of football, for many, it's one of their favourite seasons because of that. I think. Definitely. I mean, like, it's, I remember one of the one of the highs of that season. I was at the was it the was it Rotherham six four. Yes, the home game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember being there, and that was they equalised in the eighty six. Then Rickett scored in the eighty in the ninetieth. I think then McDonald scored that absolute not pepper. And I think they went on the pitch, didn't they? I think it nearly got called off twice. They basically said, yeah. if you're on the pitch again, it's game over. So that was definitely uh, one, of, that was one of the highs of that season, definitely, because yeah. I'm a big... I just love them, them sort of nail biters. And, you know, the last few seasons, we've had quite a few of them in the Prem as well, which has been good. But I suppose if we're going to go quickly down the negative route, we... It was my brother's stag do in Dublin. Uh, all of us had gone. There was about 20 of us. Um, on the Sunday, I was supposed to be playing a gig in France. So I had booked myself to come back early. So I was going to come back to England. We were playing baggies that day. Mm-hmm. So I was going to come back, watch us beat baggies, and then uh, fly to Paris and do this gig. Anyway, the night before the Sunday, the gig got cancelled. So straight away, I was like, oh, I'm on this early flight now for no reason. But at least I can watch the, uh, you know, watch a Wolves Baggers game. Come home. It was the 5-1. Oh. And uh, I was just like, the gig's been cancelled. We've just oh. been battered by baggies. I was like, this, you know. <laughs> is what ba- and I had a massive hangover to have been in Dublin on my brother's stag do. So. Yeah. You know, I come back and there was me, my dad, a couple of dads' mates. Little Dan was there because he'd been on the stag do with us, and it was just a nightmare that was. And it took a while to get over that one. It was just a bad, bad weekend. In it was, it was weird because we were on such a high at my brother's stag do, and then the Sunday mm. happened, and it was just like, for God's sake, you know what I mean? And that, that's how it just changes your mood, doesn't it? And it's oh. you know, you, you picture your weekend, and like you say, you got your plans, and you know, you're having a great time with friends and family, and yeah, and that's how football can. Massive, yeah, massive. but yeah, so I mean, but fortunately, you know, that seems a distant memory now, and um, it's just might be unfortunate that if we do get our revenge back, we won't be able to see it. So we'll be oh, watching. No, mate. Oh, no. that's, that's, that, that's how it is. But so, we put, in terms of your highs, the Rob Room, any other games, or was it just that League One season? I guess was it because you volume of games and how we're winning? Was that sort of um. The season we come up, the first season in the Prem was unbelievable. Yeah. Last season we've had we've had so many high points. You know, I never thought I'd I never thought I'd be watching Wolves in Europe. Never mind being in Europe. You know, we went out there to the Barcelona for the Espanol game, and that was I was with again. I was with my dad. I was with Dan and stuff. I was like, you know, I never thought I'd be able to experience this. And mm. I'm a I'm a very very sort of just take it as it comes guy when it comes to football. I'm still riding the train of. We're Wolves. We've been, you know, terrible for many, many years. You know, I'm still really trying to stay positive and in everything. And I remember this, the City game when Traore scored So I nearly broke the table at the Mrs. House because I picked her up. I nearly fell through the bloody table. Like, <laughs> I remember when we did Spurs. That was a, an amazing yeah. game. 
I suppose another low as well would be when Watford done us because I was in Philly and we were watching it. Um, and then that second goal went in and we were, we were late. We were actually late for something, but I was like, I can't, you know, I can't not watch the end of the game. And yeah. well, then we were late and we'd lost. So it was just <laughs> terrible. But <laughs> definitely last few seasons, the City game, the Chelsea game when Jota scored, you know, um, there's been some, just the last couple of years in general, has just been so, so great, you know. It's just, I'm still really trying to just see the positive ride the high. We were, you know, and I know it's very cliche and everybody hates it, but we were in League One five years ago. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, we can't use that as an excuse all the time, but bloody hell, we were in Europe last season. It's a big jump. <laughs> it is, it's, it's, it's mad. And, yeah, there's the, you know, you probably see the same stuff we see online. And you, you're right. You, you have to put it into context that, you know, you should still be beating West Ham, Sheffield, and you can't go because we're League One. That hasn't affected that result. However, Context is massive, isn't it? And the fact that, as you say, it doesn't seem that long away that you're going to Port Vale and then you go to Porto for one of a, a you know, a better comparison. And yeah, so what was that Barcelona experience like? Because as you say, that must have been a weird time because it was just kind of as COVID was setting in as well, wasn't it? You must have heard murmurs at the time, but you didn't want it that to get in the way of your European experience, I guess. Definitely. I mean, like when we were on the, the morning of the flight, because we'd gone down to Stansted to get the flight, me, me, little Dan, and another mate of ours, Phil, had gone down, and then the old guys, my dad and a couple of the lads had come and meet us down there. And when we were in the car on the way down, I, I saw there was a bit of news saying first corona case in Barcelona. Mm. Like, oh, bloody hell, we are flying there in two hours. Like, But it weren't, you know... Nowhere near did we think we were going to get to the point we're at now. You know, yeah. we're on we're on Zoom right now because we can't actually be in the same room as anybody. So, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, it was it was it was a great experience. It really was. You know, to see that many wolves there, everybody was having a great time. I know there was a bit of stuff that went on with the cops and stuff like that in that square. We were there uh, a couple hours before everything sort of happened and. You know, I can't really comment on anything that happened there because I wasn't there. We'd, I don't drink, I'm sober. So, like, I know exactly when to leave and stuff like that. So, I was sort of leaving before, way before anybody was really getting to that level of hype, I suppose. But just in general, again, you know, I'm in Europe with my dad and my best friends watching the team that I love. And it was just a great experience, you know. The weather was great and the singing in the square, everything like that. It was just awesome. and. It's, I suppose, I, I'm guessing you've been away with Wolves. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, I've, I've been fortunate a lot, a lot really, to, to go to a lot of away games. The Europe one was a bit different for me because financially at that point and there were a few things going on at home, I couldn't go. And then the, the game I thought I might be able to go and I'd still got this ticket, but it, it, we could never go, was Greece. So I'd, I'd booked a flight out to Athens. I'd got my ticket and I was like... I think it was at the point where I thought everybody had been to Barcelona and probably spent a bit and, 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 and been on the campaign. And I thought, could I get a ticket for this? And I think probably people wanted maybe more of an attractive tie than Olympiacos, if I'm being honest. So yeah. I thought, oh, I might get a ticket. And I got a ticket. And we didn't go in the end. And it was one of those we just took a decision as a group because as opposed to the Barcelona scenario, um, things escalated really quick up until that game. Um, and yeah, in hindsight, could we have gone for the weekend? But 
I, I wasn't going for anything other than the football, really. So it was one of those we made a call on. But I think you're right in terms of, you know, we talk about away games and it, and it's what people miss because it is that camaraderie. And I think what you would have experienced and what people experience when they follow walls up and down the country is, again, we, we, you know, this is a common theme, but it's a good one, that little bit of home. So your little bit of home you talk about when you're in Philadelphia is also your little bit of home in Barcelona or, I don't know, even in London when you're in that away end and everybody's around you and you hear the accents. That's your bit of home as well, isn't it, you know? Well, you know, and it's nice to just be... It sounds weird, but when I'm on tour and I've been on tour for a long time, even hearing an English accent is just, like, so nice. And then if I hear a bloody Midlands accent, never mind a Dudley accent or something, it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, music to my ears. So, like, you know, I want to speak to that person straight away. And football's, you know, football is a, it's a, it's a universal language, you know. Whether mm. you like Wolves, whether you know about Wolves, whether you don't, you can, if somebody's kind of into sport in any way, they will know about football or soccer as they like to call it and I'm just happy that it's traveled to every corner of the earth now and I've you know I've been lucky enough to travel with my job a lot and again like I said earlier no matter where I am I will find that game whether I'm sitting in an airport at three in the morning with it on my laptop or whether I'm I somehow find a bar because that's also a good thing about Wolves nowadays we've just been a bit more successful than we were and we've just been in the prem you find that the games are a lot more accessible now mm. you know when we were in when we were in the championship, it was so hard for me to find games when I was abroad, you know. Mm. I was having to find I don't like to say it, but I was having to try to find streams here and there and stuff. And yeah. you know, waking up at four AM when I'm in Australia and getting something that's just buffering nonstop was just like, <laughs> Oh my god, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm going around the bend. But now we're pretty much you know, there's a good chance we're going to be on a channel or, you know, with mm. ESPN Gold, we use a lot, me and the missus in Philly. So they've just released a new one called Peacock, I think they're using now, which is just another thing that you've got to pay for. But if it means I can watch the Wolves on them away, then I'll do it. So Brilliant. And I think just, just sort of before we close, um, you've referenced it really fantastically, but to, to sum up what being the series is, part of the pack so what what does being part of the pack mean to you again like we've touched on many times it's just a big big link to home and uh, you know the whole pack mentality the whole we're very very lucky as a team that we are named after a bloody wolf you know it's one mm. of the, the, the marketing and the branding for our team is just even the badge. <laughs> I mean, look at the badge right there it's so simple but the wolf everything like yeah the way that we're doing it with the pack and stuff like that it's just it's great and i think the way that the team plays the way that nuno's got the team set up the way that everything's going on at the moment it's very the pack mentality is very strong and you know, they really, the team, as well as the management, as well as the owners, they really, really, I think, care about the fans more than ever. And it's great to see. And I think that's what, that's what it really means to me. It's, it's being part of a group that, whether you agree or disagree on a signing or a performance or whatever, at the end of the day, we all support Wolves and we all just want what's best for the team. And I suppose, yeah, it all just loops back around to that. I'm proud to be from this little crap hole that's Wolverhampton and I always will be and I'll always fly the flag and I'll always have that connection to home wherever I am in the world, whether it be, you know, America, Australia, China, wherever I am, 
I've always got that linked home and I can always find it through football, which is great. So brilliant. And I think I think this is it, mate. It's 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 like we probably all slate walls and we do as a city, but if I hear someone else saying it, I'm, my exactly. back is straight. So it's like it's like we can talk shit on it, but you can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's one of those where, you know, if I go, if I, well, not so much these days, but if I do go out to drink more or something, yeah, you know, it's all right. And I'm just about it. And it's, yeah, because there is something about it. And, and, and also, I think, and this isn't uncommon to, to, to Wolves, this is the universal thing, and you know, with football, the fact that it does unite us, that, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, you know, I've been doing this series and I'm talking to people from different walks of lives some from Wolverhampton, some not, musicians, comedians, whoever, whatever, you know, all different industries, and what kind of binds us together, and what we all get, if we don't agree on a lot of things, is is that football club, and, and yeah. our personal relationship to it. Like I said, we all just want what's best, whether we agree or disagree on, because you, you're on Twitter, you, you're on Wolves Twitter, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a frustrating place. Yes. <laughs> you know, so... There's some days I can't even go on there because I'm like, some, I'm going to read a comment that's going to wind me up. But at the end of the day, everybody's got their opinions. But if, you know, if it's benefiting, the, anything that's benefiting the club is, is the right thing for me. So, and we all just want what's best for the Wolves in general. And I think we're still heading in the right direction. So I'll take it as a positive and keep riding the train while we can. We, we've got to mention more Twitter though, it is, it is funny, it's one of those where if you've lost it's just like I don't want to look on it but I do and yeah. you know, we know the people, there's people on there that will just throw you know, a grenade in there and then oh, they'll yeah. let it go off and I think they quite enjoy it but it is, it is a, a world in its, in its own and even from like the fancast account you really got to kind of leverage it because I don't like sitting on the fence, I think you've got to give your opinion but yeah, yeah. I you're mean, always going to piece someone off or, or someone's going to agree with you and fall into different camps but that's that's I guess because you can't discuss it in the pub anymore that's kind of where you exactly you down, so. that's our sort of you know our area now that's the pin board for everybody to put up what they say you know yeah there's been there's been some very very strong sort of uh, opinions about especially what's gone on in the last sort of three four weeks with uh, signing, who we're going to sign, who we're not going to sign, who are we selling, who are we buying, and, you know, and, you know, some of the arguments we've had over the years, and our little Dan, for instance, the hate that man has for Catrona is un... <laughs> <laughs> and we've, 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 we've got into shouting matches, me and little Dan have other stuff, and, but again, it all boils around to, we had one recently, and within five minutes, we've got our arm around each other, being like, we just want what's best for the club, mate, that's what it is, like, it's nice to see the passion in everybody, I suppose. Yeah. It is, it is. Dan, Dan's brilliant for it because he'll just throw it into the <laughs> most random conversation. Yeah. That, but he loves it. But we love him for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we could go on all night, and it's honestly it's a pleasure, mate. Um, right, mate. Thanks so I think for it's great to just sort of sit down virtually and have, have a chat. And I think what's great is. You, you know, you're showing us that you're someone who kind of spends a lot of this time, you know, in hotels and DJs and festivals and so forth. But, you know, the club gives you, you know, that, that slice of home, really, which I think we can all relate and, and, and resonate with. So 
in, I know this is a difficult question right now in terms of, let's say, I'll flip back to the current. What, what are your plans going forward? What's on the rise? And you're kind of just waiting to see how the music will develop. You've got your projects um, you mentioned earlier. Is there anything, um, what's, 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 what's coming up? Or is that a difficult one right now? I mean, I'm, I'm always working still on music every single day because there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. You know, I do a lot of work for like, publishing and stuff like that so stuff you might hear in adverts or stuff you might see on films and you know we we work sort of on that a lot send that to the right company so there's always stuff to do it's just that the live aspect's been taken away and um i'm doing a lot of work with the uni and the college like i said which is really helping me plod along and um yeah just writing 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 really and it's all I can do, I suppose. Because when I'm not on tour, I'm at home just writing anyway. So uh, mm. I'm just, I suppose I'm treating this as just a huge hiatus, longer than usual. And I'm trying not to change my routine too much because it's really, really easy to just get into that unhealthy, well, oh, the world's gone to crap, so I'm going to do nothing. And it's like, mm. Mm. When, the, when, when the gates do finally open again, I want to hit the ground running. I want to have a that catalogue of music that I made during lockdown. I want to be able to sort of, you know, be ready to go rather than just being like all of a sudden, oh God, I've done nothing for 10 months. Like, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm doing as much work as I can. I, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to still find avenues for revenue for, because I just, I've dedicated half my life to this industry and to this mm -hmm. job and I don't want to, you know, step away from it and, so like I, like I said earlier at the beginning, as long as I can still work within the industry somehow in some way. But yeah, I suppose the 10 year will happen. It'll probably just be 10 year asterisks because it's actually like year 12 or whatever. So <laughs> it'll, be like, it'll be like Liverpool's, you know, Liverpool's, <laughs> uh, Liverpool's Premier League, sorry. So but yeah, so I'm just trying to stay positive, mate. Like a lot of us are in not not just my industry and not just any industry, just in life in general at the moment. It's 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 difficult. It's difficult, and you know I think routine is is massive. And I think you know you referenced that, and we've done bits on 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 you know spin-off podcast where we talked about mental health, and I think routine's a big part of that as well. And I think you know you can get to a point where like you say if, if, if the work's not there it's kind of like let's get back into it and then flip back in but you, to keep yourself active in whatever you do is, is, is great and if I mean even these podcasts for me I find really therapeutic because it gives me a little sort of side project and if people listening on their walks or their runs enjoy them as well you know that's exactly that's great, you know you touched on mental health there and that's a big big thing I've been in advocator for for the last few years in the music industry because mm. it's very very like rife in the music industry and the problem is with our industry is we, we technically are a brand that we're trying to sell so you look at people's instagrams you look at the twitters and everything and they're selling the high life they're selling the oh look what i did look at this show i played look at this great thing i'm doing when really that's probably 5% of what's actually going on. And, you know, you've saw, you've probably saw yourself in the news. We're losing musicians. We lo not just musicians, but obviously I'm going to refer to that because of my industry. You know, we're losing musicians to sort of suicide and depression and stuff mm. like nonstop. And some, you know, you can look straight away and be like Keith Flint, for instance, for instance yeah. you know, Avicii, these Chester Bennington from Linkin Park, you know, 
from the outside looking in, these guys have got the greatest life ever. Yeah. Well, I think, like you said, touching on mental health, there's, there's a lot, lot, lot more to it. And I think I'm happy to say that we're at a point in life in 2020 where mental health and supporting mental health is becoming a lot more normal and a lot more, you know, it's something that people are looking into a lot more, which to me is great because what you see on the surface for a lot of people is nothing, you know, to what's actually going on. And I imagine with this COVID stuff, people's lives have crumbled. And so like you said, routines, healthy, you know, I'm, I try to go to the gym every day. Yeah, I've got back into that routine, which is good. Even the stupidest things of eating healthy. I don't drink anymore. And just mental health is just everything. It really is. And I can't, you know, again, we could talk about that for hours, but that's, no, but we, 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 we could, and I, but, you, but you're right, and I can relate to it. A lot of people can, can relate to it. Um, but, yeah, you, we could do a deep dive on that, and, and maybe that's something, you know, we, we can revisit at a later stage. Um, but, you know, there's, there is, it, it's, it's good to get that conversation talking. And as, as you say, you've mentioned something which I suppose I hadn't really thought about, but you, you touched on earlier in the conversation about, you know, that, industry that you're in that it can be lonely it can be solitary so you you know you're looking for your home comforts and and if they're not there and if you know your perception is different to what it is when you're sitting down it's yeah i, I, I can see how that could be difficult so and that's uh, what that's why obviously something as stupid as a win from wolves when mm -hmm. i'm away and i've you know say for instance i've been on a sort of four or five day run where I've not been back to my home base, which is obviously Philadelphia or wherever it be. A Wolves win in the middle of that little run when you're feeling lonely and you're feeling sort of, can, can really just like, just boost everything. So yeah. again, circling back around to Wolves, like that's how much it does mean to a lot of people. And that's really how much it does mean to me because, you know, if I'm feeling really down and I'm lonely and on tour or whatever, you know, whatever sort of mood I'm in, you know, I see the boys come out and they get a win and, you know, seeing the the passion. And especially it was great when the fans were still in the stadium because I could see the fans as well when I was watching mm. the games and it was great. And sometimes I might get a glimpse of somebody I know and it's like, oh, bloody hell, you know. And <laughs> something as small as that. So, yeah, like Wolves doing well. Again, even, it's, it's probably far from it, but touching on the mental health thing, Wolves doing well matters really bad to a lot of people yeah. and it can really help boost that sort of... You know that, that it can turn that bad day into a good day, but unfortunately, sometimes it can turn a bad day into an even worse day. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can, and it's finding that balance, and it's kind of treating them as the same and, and working with them in it really. But yeah, well, we're hoping that you know we're going to have many more good days to come. Um, if you want to follow um, Chris, also known as Pogman, it's P O G M A N. It's a zero. Zero, sorry, P zero. Um, Talk to me about the name, because if I don't ask you, I do know, because I had a look online earlier, people are going to say, why didn't, why didn't you ask him? Where's that come from? So, um, you must remember Pogs. Yeah. Literally, it's as simple as that. <laughs> I, I remember starting out back in maybe 2000, 2008, maybe I was looking for my name. I wanted something that wasn't too serious, but wasn't too stupid, because there's a lot of stupid names, in, uh, especially in the dubstep world, which is the world I'm from. So we went, I'd, uh, it was my friend actually, um, Lee, a really, really good friend of mine, lives in London now, and he he kind of come up with the name Pogman somehow, and I was just like, straight away, I was like, right, I'm taking it. And for some reason, it was cool back then to put a number in your name, mm. which 
for many years after became a burden because of Google and because of many other things. <laughs> but the worst thing was this year it was finally going to pay off because the zero we were going to be able to brand into the ten so easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, like I said earlier, even if we get to year thirteen, I'm still doing the ten year anniversary. <laughs> So yeah, so as I say, if you want to follow Chris, it's P the Zero G M A N. Um, follow Chris on on on, on Twitter, um, and and also from a wars perspective as well, because as I was just having a look earlier, that you'll get some reaction as well. So by all means, I'm sure he's happy for you to to get involved as well. But I wish you all the best. I wish you all the best for when you, the ten years uh, comes around. Everything that you're doing, I think what what you're doing is great. From what I hear, that you're helping other people at this time as well people up and coming and I've got a lot of respect for you know for doing that I think it's fantastic and it's great for you um, to share your stories and I'm sure people listening will have enjoyed them uh, as well so thank you. Yeah thank you guys very much you know I'm a big fan of what you guys do over at the fan cast and everything so just yeah thanks for having me on and obviously I'll continue to listen to you guys watch you guys stir the pot a bit on twitter with you guys and we'll keep it going definitely well we know who stirs <laughs> he's been mentioned a couple of times he's the chief stirrer but, but no yeah on, on that and as i said at the start we really do appreciate your support in the podcast we do it because we love it because we wouldn't do it otherwise you know so if you like what we do leave us a five-star review we'll be really great for that follow us on all the channels Follow us through this series, through uh, regular pods. Um, there's lots coming up to look forward to this season. But from both of us, until next time, we'll see you soon. Escape your everyday with out-of-this-world action. From the gritty apocalypse of the Walking Dead universe to the cyberpunk realm of The Watch and the criminal underbelly of Gangs of London, AMC Plus is more than entertaining. It's epic. Feel all the chills and thrills with Shudder's Halfway to Halloween Month. Experience Shudder's biggest month of horror featuring a new season of Creepshow and new movie premieres every week, all available ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com.